0: He is none other than Snoop Dogg.
1: i will bring, bring a piece of candy for you to look at. You might be able to take it later too. <laughs> will Ferrell. I also ran into John Elway in the bathroom. He could have he could have given me a forearm shiver there. <laughs> he
0: could have rammed my head. Long snapping expert Adam Carolla. We don't call ourselves long snapping what? expert. What do we We're, call ourselves? You just say black belt. You don't say <laughs> black belt
2: karate <laughs> expert. Black belt says it all. <laughs> I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Presented by Papa John's. is your host, Rich Eisen.
0: Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast, a big-time podcast. It's a groundbreaking podcast because it's, for the very first time, this podcast will be simulcast on television, on NFL Network. And we've got a guest list, I think, that lives up to the occasion. We've got Kyle Chandler, the uh, actor who played the coach from Friday Night Lights also. Uh, He is in the film Super 8, which was last weekend's uh, top-grossing film in America. We've got him, Chris Collinsworth, 12-time Emmy Award-winning analyst of NBC Sunday Night Football in America. He is on. And joining me here in person, in the flesh, in the studio, (laughs) is a Super Bowl MVP, the eighth Super Bowl MVP to ever appear on this podcast. And also the freshly minted champion of <laughs> dancing with the stars, Heinz Ward. How you doing, Rich? Good to see you, Heinz. Oh, big honor. Thanks for having me. The dancing with the stars champion. Now, if I had told young Heinz Ward, young eight, nine, ten year old Heinz Ward, that you would be a Super Bowl MVP and a champion of a nationally televised dance off, which one would you have been believing in the least? Uh what would be harder
3: for you to believe? Man, that's tough. For sure, the dancing champion. <laughs> I've never danced a day in my life. I didn't even go to my high school prom because I was so scared of dancing. Is that right? A big fear of dancing. I didn't want to step on the girls' toes and just look bad. You so, so your high school prom, you were chilling at home, basically? I, I was setting up the party. I was after party. Okay. Yeah, I went to the after party. See, now that's the smart. Move, yeah, right? exactly. But I was dressed up. I had a tux. But I just so didn't people go to prom. wouldn't
0: know. So you sort of you sort of pulled like uh like there was this uh, Rosie Ruiz who who didn't run the whole Boston Marathon. Who she just, just showed up in, at the end exactly. to make it seem like she ran yes. the whole Boston. Marathon. I was the I was the Rosie. That's what you did. For, exactly. <laughs> you were the Rosie Ruiz of your <laughs> yeah. prom. Exactly. I like that. <laughs> so what has life like been for you as a Dancing with the Stars champion? It Evan is. Smith told me it totally changed his entire profile from top to bottom. Oh, there's no
3: question. I mean, just a you, you know, you get a whole new fan base. You know, I thought Super Bowl winning Super Bowl MVP was something special, and mm-hmm. everybody all over the world recognized you. But Dancer with the Stars have definitely, uh, people are knowing me for a dancer, not the football player. How does it's, that feel? That's it bizarre. Feels, it is bizarre because <laughs> I don't look at myself as a dancer, but to have just walking the malls or, 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 or going in stores, anywhere, you know, I have more. Uh, fans with dance with the stars, and I do. You're football saying fans. lady friends, lady fans. Yeah, lady that's, fans. Lady, yeah, lady I mean, fans. They don't even know anything about football, but they're just you know they watch avid supporters uh-huh. of Dancing with the Stars, and just Welcome. being recognized everywhere like that. Welcome crazy. to my world, Heinz. <laughs> I'm not talking
0: about women uh, fans. Rec- I mean, it, it, when I first got on Sports Center. Back in 1996. Mm-hmm. Okay. Overnight, this, you know, I was on television from coast to coast. I was 26 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I would go into a bar or what have you. And uh, anytime people would be buying me drinks because yeah. they saw me from the sports center. I want to have a drink with the sports center guy. Always, no matter what, I'd look up. And I'd see all these women at the bar, but there'd be the one fat guy at the bar <laughs> who's the one raising his drink in my direction. Like, cheers! Yeah, so, that would, yeah, that that, was, that's, that's it.
3: That's tough. So maybe I need to dance. Yeah, I don't know. Dancing. Why don't you do it? You I, can do better than Kenny. <laughs>
0: Kenny I, May, he,
3: Was he one and done? Was Kenny Mayne one and done? I, I think so. It was one or two and done. He was pretty bad. He was pretty, I don't That was know. my whole goal. Don't be the first guy to get eliminated. Well, you being a Steeler, you know, one of the most popular Steelers
0: of all time, of one of the most popular franchises in all sports, I mean, that alone, that alone, that would get you through the first month,
3: I Well, that, you know, because a lot of it has to do with fan voting. Half of the, sure. the participation is fan voting, but, you know, the the fans definitely have my side, the Steeler Nation, but mm-hmm. I didn't have confidence in my dancing skills. I actually think Kim Johnson, my partner, mm-hmm. had more confidence in me than I did myself. Cause I never danced before, mm. so t- to go out there and pull off some good scores is just amazing. What was the toughest dance? What was the toughest one for you? They were all tough, um, but there was one that was, was a paso doble. And you had to be paso like paso doble. You had to be like the mandatory, and I smile all the time. So for me, not to <laughs> to dance and, that, and be able to smile that right. was a challenge itself. Right. And that's when the first my first acting skills had to come on. I had to play the character. Mm. So. Uh, to go out there and perform that was just awesome. The Paso Doble can trip you up. Yeah, it can. It can totally <laughs> trip you.
0: <up. laughs> it can. That's how they get. That's how they get athletes. Uh, dancers.
3: You know. But I had a blast doing all the different dances. Are you having? Are you getting offers of uh, uh, marketing offers?
0: And oh things yeah, of that yeah I actually or,
3: got. I got some gigs on. Uh, you'll see me in a couple of commercials this upcoming season. Good for so you, man. I can't. I don't know if I can say a, that. But yeah. that's what this is about yeah. too. You
0: know, ah. what I mean, like you're having fun. You're expanding your horizons. This is. This is what you know. That's that's what
3: you're doing this stuff for. Well, it's, it, it, it timed out perfectly because uh, we have a lockout, so, <laughs> so you know, guys right. are trying. I seen Chad was bull riding and doing things, and yeah, tried out for the re- soccer, wrestling
0: and, snakes, yeah, or he's saying he's going to wrangle snakes or something. Yeah, like
3: that. so it's a, it's a great opportunity for me, especially being on the latter part of my career. You know, Jerome Bettis always told me uh, to to have avenues and have opportunities for life after football. So. You know, to be able to do Dance with the Stars and, and be here with you today, you know, that's oh, why yeah. I'm, I'm, sure I'm traveling all over. Yeah, you know, right. So who knows? Maybe I get an opportunity down the road and uh, to see you more often. No. Well, listen, I said that to Emmett
0: Smith the day he retired. He was on Total Access and he said, maybe uh, I've got uh, I want to do some television work or sports television work. And I said that there were probably five executives running out of the out of the satellite truck right now to come <laughs> speak to him. So you, you call me if that's right. what you want to do. Call me definitely. first, though. Call me first, though. I, definitely I mean, I don't want to be, you know, I no. don't want to be, I don't want you... Calling Berman or Wingo no. before me. Okay, no, I'll I just throw you. those names out. You my guy. I'm, I'm on your podcast. So. That's true.
3: And the first, first televised, televised version. Yeah. You
0: were my first televised guest. So I, I at podcast. least owe you that. I appreciate uh, <laughs> that. As for the Pittsburgh Steelers, now I, I see you've got your your thumb.
3: Yeah, I had. Uh, you uh, know, I tore my ligament, my thumb ligament, probably week one of the football season. Week one of playing the Falcons. I, I fell down and my wrist, uh, my thumb was back here by my wrist and. You know, I, I tore a ligament, and I could have had surgery, but that would have ended my year. So uh, I just put a splint on it, put some masking tape, and just taped splint it up. Splint and
0: masking tape. on <laughs> like torn ligament. <laughs> exactly.
3: It went through the whole season, all the way through the Super Bowl with it. Is and, that right? And then um, I had my knee for, you know, shortly after the Super Bowl, and the plan was to do both. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, dance with the stars. I said, like, well, you can do your knee, and then we'll do your thumb. and for me, I didn't plan on being on Dance with the Stars, but maybe two or three weeks anyway. Yeah. You get voted off. And, you know, I asked Coach Tomlin, and, you know, he said, yeah, just do it. I don't think he even knew that I would make it all the way to the finals, more or less win it. But mm-hmm. uh, he said, yeah, don't worry about it. You you get it. We have plenty of time to get it done. Yeah. And you I said,
0: I think I saw it. So, so, um, Franco Harris was showing up mm-hmm. at Dancing with the Stars, too, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Franco. Who else and, was showing up? For uh, Mel Blunt,
3: me? Jerome Bettis. Mel Blunt. Yeah, Mel Blunt. Uh, Lynn Swan. he came to the, 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 the finale. He was there at the mm. finale. And, you know, Lynn actually ballet danced. Yeah, so know, to well, have, he got a lot of grief for that back in the 70s. Uh, that, you know, but, I, I felt this pain <laughs> when I first signed up for it. I, right. I got about 100 text messages of people telling me, don't look stupid. You know, you can't do it. Why'd you sign up for it? So Mel Blunt was at Dancing with the Stars. Mel Blunt. One of the most
0: nasty, hard-hitting defensive backs for whom rules were changed. Changed, yes. Because of him. He Did he meet, what's his name? What uh, Did he meet the judges and all that yeah, stuff?
3: Yeah, he too? met all the judges. Uh, took pictures, and uh, all the judges had terrible towels, and uh, it the was ju- just... It was just amazing, you know, to be able to to, to, to conform some of the ballroom judges over to Stiller Nation fans. And what and, uh, was Wade Phillips doing there? Wade, Wade is actually—his wife is uh, a big-time um, fan of the show and, right. and, 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 and got with my people. And, you know, I had extra tickets. And next thing you know, Wade Phillips out there. So it was great just to have the whole NFL community, uh, the brotherhood, come out and, mm-hmm. and show their support. One time—I I went to Dancing with the Stars once. Okay. Emmett invited me
0: mm-hmm. when he was doing it and he was working here at the network. And I made this crucial mistake that uh, my wife was my wife and I were going and uh, we're getting ready to go and I put on jeans. Oh, yeah. You oh, can't I don't know, know this. <laughs> I put on jeans. And she goes, what are you doing putting on jeans? And I'm like, this is Los Angeles. This is what you do. You put yeah. on a sport coat and you wear jeans and maybe a little sneakers yeah. or whatever. To, that's what L.A. is. Yeah. She goes, no, I, I think this is like, you know, ballroom type gown yeah, like real formal Yeah, you got to get you got to come suited and booted. I did not know this. <laughs> so I said to her now this is come on you put on jeans let's go. This is Los Angeles. We're going to be late whatever. Oh man. So here's bad. here you can see where this is going. This is one of the very few f- f- uh, very few times my wife didn't like you know, put her foot down and say, "No, you're wrong." So you just like, "Okay, fine, we'll go." So we go. We show up, and there's a line out the door yeah. of people line, trying yes. to get into to get in to see this. Yes. Like, I mean, out the door, down the street, yeah. out the studio, yeah. onto onto Beverly Boulevard, yeah. and um, and they're all dressed to the nines. Yes, and they've and been I could, waiting out there for a couple hours, probably. Too. And I could already feel my wife's heavy gaze.
3: <laughs> on She's me. looking at it like you idiot,
0: right, right. <laughs> So we show up and clearly I'm, I'm officially now an idiot and they were going to put us in the front row because we were Emmett's guests. Like that's where they put everybody who was your guest, right? We were going to be right in the front row, right on national television at Dancing with the Stars. But now we had to sit behind (laughs) one of the tables. (laughs) To hide the genes, I'll see that. Okay, so now it's it, it's it's the trifecta here is a I didn't listen mm-hmm. to my wife when I should have. B we're now not having as good of a time because you're behind because the table. I didn't listen because we're behind the table. And C is now we both look stupid <laughs> because of me. It's the trifecta. Oh, man. That's that was bad. my dancing experience. That is bad. I should have I, I needed I need to come back and sort of have redeem yourself. I need to redeem myself. You should have went out with Sap was out there. I should have. Yeah, I would have loved to have done that. Yeah, uh, Sap. I mean you and Sap. I, he's here today too. Exactly. Hell, right. if I'd have known, I don't known, And I would have invited you. you know, See, I, no, I don't want to get I don't take Wade's ticket. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Wade's wife hey, came all the way. You
3: know, I, I I like Coach Wade Phillips, but uh I like you much better. Like that, Yeah. I
0: bet. <laughs> so thank you. So we now now that you were removed from the season, um mm-hmm. uh, how, how how much does this Super Bowl loss linger for you, Hines? I know the for dancing me, maybe have taken your mind yeah, off. Yeah, it's of taken my mind bit, but.
3: off, but uh it's definitely been tough for me. I mean because you know, I I you know, no disrespect to the Green Bay Packers, they played their tails off, but I, I thought we didn't play up to our capabilities. Um you know, we had a lot of uh, self imposed mistakes uh, where it cost us points. Um, you know, I just didn't feel like for the Super Bowl that uh, we played up to the potential that we're supposed to be playing up to, especially after beating a tough Baltimore team, uh, a great New York Jets team. Uh, and then the, to be in the Super Bowl with the experience of guys who played in Super Bowls that we had, I just thought that, um, you know, we didn't play up to our capabilities. What do you think happened in that game? I don't know. It's just, you know, I I think we didn't handle adversity um, uh, as well as as well as well we have been in the previous games. We just, we got behind and we started forcing the issue. You know, we didn't have all 11 guys on the same page. You know, it'd be one guy. You know, even if it'd be your one mistake, it'd be a bad mistake. And then you, when you turn the ball over the way you, we did, I think we turned three or four turnovers. Mm-hmm. You can't win any ball games when you turn the ball over that much. And we just, you know, put ourselves behind the eight ball, I mean, trying to overcome all the turnovers. And, you know, that the Mendenhall fumble was big because I thought the momentum was switching and we were driving, um, you know, and they, they sent a blitz off the corner and he hit uh, Mendenhall right when he got the ball and we fumbled it and, and they got momentum going back and they ended up scoring. So, um, you know, turnovers, when you turn the ball over in games, uh, it's very hard to win a lot of ball games. And what
0: about the concept of of, of getting back to that spot? How difficult that is. I mean, that's you know a, how that's tough a tough
3: it is. that's a tough one. I, I, and I remember winning the previous two, and, and was saying how difficult it is for the, the losing team to get back to that position. Um, but you know, for us, you know, uh, a lot of our guys are coming back. We got a, a nucleus of our guys still coming back, and and a lot of veteran guys who who. Are on the latter part of their careers because we got a lot of guys that are thirty and above, and I, I think you know it's either now or never. You know, you know before they blow this blow this whole thing up and and go a different direction. And uh, so there's a sense of urgency to all our veteran guys that you know we have the potential. You know, we lost a guy like Aaron Smith who went down with injuries. And I know he's can't wait to get back and, and get another hack at it. And uh-huh. you know, myself, James Ferrier, Casey Hampton. Brett Kiesel. I mean, we got a lot of guys who have put in uh, their time in the league, and 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 I know we all want to go out on the right track.
0: Well, your quarterback's a young pup, relatively yes. at least, although he is experienced enough to last two veteran lifetimes at this Correct. point in time. <laughs> uh, how was his journey last year? Can you walk me through it about Ben's journey from Man, from, from beginning to end?
3: You know, I, I it it can be. I'm pretty sure it was a whirlwind for him. You know, being suspended, not being around guys for a lot of players. We didn't know he was. Couldn't even be in our facility. So, Mm -hmm. you know, walking into work every day and not seeing him in his locker was totally different for us. But I think it brought us together uh, closer as a group because we had to, you know, go for Dennis Dixon. We had to be there for him. We had to be there for Charlie Batch. Um, Byron Leftwich was yeah. was there and you know was going into it as our starting quarterback and then he went down the last preseason and then you darn near went four and zero exactly and it was the most thing the most craziest thing because nobody predicted us to go uh, everybody's predicting us to go one and three mm-hmm. you know two and two at the most but to go three and one almost four and zero I mean you know Baltimore beat us in the last ten seconds of uh, of the game uh, I think we grew closer together and that gained confidence. Uh, as the weeks went on, then when Ben got back, we we're like, "Man, we're three and one with Ben, you know, coming back." So, uh, for us to go all and make that run the way we did, um, and go all the way to the Super Bowl, it was just it was a great season, um, but it, unfortunately, it ended in a in a bad way. We would but love to win. It. Was he different though in the locker room? Because that was
0: always the talk about Ben. Is that is that he really didn't connect with a lot of guys in yeah. the locker room because he was quote unquote. Ben Roethlisberger and that and a lot of people I mean he was trashed in that Sports Illustrated article yeah yeah people you know waitresses uh, and and just uh, folks who are are, are everyday Pittsburghians but sometimes uh, I think you
3: you needed something like that to to bring you down a little bit you know but he definitely made a a conscientious effort to go out there and and better himself and, and to be a better person to be a better teammate and you know People can always say, "Well, how jam it was." Who who cares? I mean, at least I see the effort that he's trying to make, and you know, not just hanging out with certain guys on their team, but going out of his way to uh, to be there for everybody. Walk. I mean, I call him walk on practice squad players, mm-hmm. or uh first, second year guys, him and Mike Wallace were playing basketball together. But that's something that, you know, I haven't seen in a while. You know, Ben only hung out with certain people on the team and But that
0: changed last year. And it year. changed.
3: Yeah. And it changed because as a quarterback, you're automatically the natural leader of the team. I mean, you know, when guys look in the huddle, they look in your eyes and we're following you. So uh to sit there and everybody feel like they're a part of a team is, is special and I think um, you know he grew in a lot of ways uh, after going through missing the first four games. Let's talk about your defense a little bit. Mm-hmm. They they write checks, they cash a lot of them. Yes, They cash a, heck of <laughs> yes. a lot of them. Yeah. Last week
0: on NFL Network, Lamar Woodley wrote one big fat check. I don't know if you heard. He said that the Baltimore Ravens, when Joe Flacco, will never win a Super Bowl because they'll never get past the Pittsburgh Steelers. What do you say to that Heinz?
3: Well, man, that's 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 Lamar Woodley, he would say something that's like that. A big fat check. That's, <laughs> that's
0: like one of those checks that you see at you know, charity I'm events. I mean it's just huge
3: Yeah, check right I'm pretty sure Baltimore already have all that in his in their lockers right now. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh no, that's just the confidence that, that that Lamar have and and we have. You have to have that. It's not really, you know, us, you know calling out Baltimore Ravens, but that's just the confidence that that any football player should have going into a game. And especially your division rivals is so heated and hatred, you know, such as ours in in Baltimore. Um, But, it feels good. Uh, you know, we, we played them in the playoffs the last couple of years, and, and to be able to knock them out of the tournaments, you get a, a special feeling. But uh, for me, I won't be saying anything like no. that. No, You're a veteran. Yeah, I'm a veteran. Yeah, but, uh, okay. but, you know, you got to have that attitude uh, when you play in the Baltimore Ravens because, you know, regardless of what record it is, anytime you can beat up on each other, and, and and this year we have them down in Baltimore. We won, so right off the bat, way to go, Lamar. Way to go, ahead. and uh, <laughs> just give, give Ray Lewis this, something oh, to man, chew on for this, three months. I wish Ray were, would retire. Can I at least play one season? He says without... the same thing about you. <laughs> he has said the same thing about you. Man, I, this guy won't go away. Well, he wants to wipe the smile off your face. I know that. I mean, I'm sure all those guys do. But I love playing. I love playing against the Baltimore Ravens just because. It's just a, a good old fashioned turkey bowl. We don't mm-hmm. care what environment the weather conditions are. We put on your jogging pants. Put on any type of shoes. Wear whatever you want to wear. Just go out there and play football. I know you're a hard hitting
0: guy. You love you love the the contact of the game. Uh, that said, the the league clearly has your back, Heinz Ward, because they're trying to protect you. Oh, they. this new yeah, There's new change. I don't know if you're aware that there's a change in the defensive. Uh, what's a defenseless receiver? Wow, it's called. So they're 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 trying to make sure that you're you're fine. Well,
3: good. You think, agree with you uh, agree with that, uh, that, that
0: that your your eyes are raised a little bit. Right? I'm a little shocked. A little. I'm a little shocked about but that. You, but I mean, they're, they're saying what a defenseless receiver is, that you need to be in a position to show a referee
3: that you're ready to absorb a blow in order to uh, be hit. Well, that's good, because that's the mentality that I've always taken through the years of you know, me going across the middle, I, I made a living on, you know, playing the slot receiver, being inside there with safeties and linebackers and stuff. And, you know, I always took the approach, I'm going to hit you before you hit me. Because I know you're going to hit me going across the No, but the this middle. is not about cornerbacks being defenseless. Uh, I, it's I know, about, it's about, about you as yeah, a receiver that's what I'm saying. being so defenseless. So if I'm going up in the air, mm-hmm. you know, and, and for whatever reason the ball's overthrown, well, I'm, I'm defenseless. I, You know, I'm up in the air. There's nothing I can do. But guys will still take shots. Right. Being that the ball is near or whatever, and so you like this rule change i, I like you it you like a rule change I do like in the it. NFL, you know, I understand that the the league is trying to work on the safety of the of our game wow. and and that's something that uh that I'm shocked that I'm really I, I like it. I'm shocked that they this made is a rule' Hines like that. Ward saying this because you
0: have taken some
3: serious shots I at have. The at the, same, at the same time, it's still football. I understand that. that. That's what comes along with it. But I have been defenseless at times and been hit right. before. That's why I've always played the way I play. Because when this rule came out, uh, Lamar and
0: James Harrison were very, very I'm sure upset. all the defensive guys. Very upset.
3: Yeah. I mean, because
0: those guys... Harrison's tweeting about it. He's facebooking about it. I mean, he he was really ticked off.
3: Yeah, our linebackers got a little loose screws, but I understand. (laughs) I understand where they're coming from because they, you know, your whole life mentality, you know, as a defensive player, it's all about hit. You know, hit them hard. Mm -hmm. Who cares? Just hit, hit, hit. And now the takeaway, for you know to a defenseless receiver, to now you have a defenseless quarterback. You can't touch the quarterback. You can't touch the receivers. You only can hit a running back up high. You really can't go helmet to helmet. I can understand where the where the frustration is coming from. So I'm not
0: I mean, this is a major podcast already. Like I said, it's being televised and now you, Heinz Ward, are saying on this podcast you like a rule change safety
3: provisions in the NFL. Especially for wide receivers. I'm getting older. Okay. I don't want to get I'm tired of getting hit on.
0: You so know? do you do you think or do you not think the league has it out for the Pittsburgh
3: Steelers? I don't know if it's I don't know. I can't sit there and say it's just for us. We just we have some guys that love to hit people, and, and it seems like all the times we're getting fined heavenly as opposed to other, other teams. But we, I can't tell you or, 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 or prove to you that other teams are getting fined mm-hmm. uh, as much as James Harrison's getting fined. I mean, they don't show us whether the players are getting fined, but I know it comes out publicly what yeah. James Harrison is a lot of money. You know, and,
0: and but and, you don't think the league has it out for the Steelers because some of your teammates have said there's a new rule out that if if enough players are fine enough, the team's going to get hit, and people are calling that the Steeler rule.
3: Well, in I'm Pittsburgh. sure Mr. Rooney's going to have something to say. About well, he that. did.
0: He said that's not true. Yeah, he says that's not
3: the case. Yeah, I I'm not going to sit there and say you know they're singing a lot of us. It's just unfortunately we have a lot of guys that do a lot of hitting, and and their hits kind of seem to get out there a lot more than other guys mm-hmm. that are hitting in the league, and. It's not going to change the way uh, that we play. James Harrison, it, when he comes to the point of contact, I'm sure he's not going to be thinking about his fines. He's going to hit the guy regardless. Did he almost retire? Did he really almost retire? He really year? did. He really did. I don't know how long he would have came out of retirement <laughs> real quick. Maybe he retired for a week. But then, because I mean, was he really that? He was upset. Yeah. Upset? Because they made that rule midway during the season. You can't make a rule change midway of the season and expect everybody to adjust their game accordingly. You know, usually when you make rule changes during the owner's meeting or whatever meetings they have before the season and you show everybody, you can't just bring a, a tape in mid season and say, well, this is how you're supposed to hit somebody. You know, I remember when I hit uh, Rivers. Uh, and Keith Rivers. Yeah, of the, yeah, the, Bengals. Of the Bengals. And uh, unfortunately, his jaw was broke. But they came to me and told me I, I could have hit him a different way. Well, I didn't hit him. A, it wasn't illegal because I didn't get – penalized for it i didn't get a flag or anything now but, it is illegal I believe. yeah that's what i'm saying it's so, the we, heinz ward rule <laughs> which is another stiller rule huh? <laughs> <laughs> so i guess they are singing with us uh-huh. <laughs> i'm just, nah, been nah, trying nah, to nah, bait you into saying nah, that for nah, the last five nah, minutes I don't so know. You're doing just, we, we got we got a lot of guys on our team that that do a lot of hitting unfortunately we're getting right you know out there as far as with the fines but um we understand we they we, we want to improve the game which is understandable but it's harder to improve the game when you're playing football. Uh, I just you got two grown men traveling at 15, 20 miles per hour going to collide with each other, something bound right to get shaken or, I or the broken.
0: Dancing has changed you or not? Because I'm sitting here during the season last year, Hines. okay. And the video of you from the locker room where you were putting the league on full blast because I just think sometimes
3: I, I know, I'm not gonna I just think sometimes they contradict themselves. And and that's not right. Yeah, uh, To sit there and say you care about uh, the safety of the guys, but you're trying to add two more games, that don't, that don't even make sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, my mom, who knows little about football, knows that some ain't right about that. Well, how are they trying to, you know, I explained to my mom, she said, well, baby, how are they trying to work on your safety if they're trying to add two more games? Isn't that more harmful on your body and whatnot? Wouldn't that cause more injuries? I said, thank you, Mom. So once I had my mom vouch for me, then I can going to say whatever that's I want to say.
0: If your mom's got your back. <laughs> exactly. That's the
3: way it goes. <laughs> uh, Spoon, do you want to ask a question of Heinz Ward? Spoon
0: is our, our, our producer right. of the television version. He's he's a guy who will wear Steeler jerseys out and about. Good. Okay. He's, 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 he's as He'd black and be right. old as a
4: Unlike Kara, Heinz appreciates the Steeler jerseys. Uh, no, no, yeah,
0: he right. does. Kara yeah. Henderson thinks yes. that men over a certain age should not wear... Jerseys, football jerseys, Why out in that? public. I don't know. I, I, she just thinks it's just over a certain age. It's just not a good idea. What age? What did she say? Fifteen years she of said age. Fifteen.
3: Fifteen years of age is the so, cutoff. So no grown man can wear jerseys.
0: Pretty, pretty much. I mean, players can. Well, it's it's your job. Like, this is my uniform, right? It it just happens to be Prada. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. But, uh, but again, it's just like uh, always. Whenever I conducted interviews back in the day, I went. But did I ask everything that I need to know? So I'm turning to my Steeler expert, Spoon, behind on the uh, in our control room. Actually,
4: not quite a Steelers question, but heavier trophy: Heinz,
3: the Mirror Ball, or the Super Bowl MVP trophy? What about it? Heavier? Which one's heavier? heavier? Uh, The Mirror Ball trophy. Is Is that right? Yeah, it is heavy. Like, I got my arms with tired carrying that thing around after winning it. Is that right? Yeah. No it, kidding. It's heavy.
0: You've got Heinz freaking Ward here, I, Super Bowl MVP of your Pittsburgh's, your beloved Steelers. <laughs> I've given you one shot. And, give you it to it to him. and that's what <laughs> you ask him? That
4: was a great question. <laughs> Thank was you, was a great question. <laughs> oh, you got
0: his back. Yeah. Okay. Heinz yeah. got my back. Okay. <laughs> that's the Steeler Nation. They They, <laughs> they vouch for each other. Good to see you, man. Oh, anytime. You are the best. I, I really uh, can't. I, I want to keep watching you play for how, how much longer, you think? What do you I, think? I,
3: I don't know. I, you what know, you I, I talked to Dion and those guys, and they were like, play till the wheels fall off. Because once it's gone, it's gone. So that's how that's the approach to that. I'm the taking. wheels are still on. The wheels are still on. If you know, Tony is, Gonzalez is still out there roaming around, then, then I can do it as well. He is. But he he's yet to, and this is an amazing stat, he is yet to win
0: a playoff game. Wow. Yeah, how about that? He meant to kill <laughs> spikes. I tease Tequila. <laughs> T K O, yeah. So that maybe that's why they're still, you know, they're chasing yeah, something. Yeah. What are you chasing? I
3: want to win another one. I do want to win another Super Bowl. Bad. Just because we were so close. I really thought about had we won, I that would probably be my last one. Like you would have stray handed off into
0: the sunset, uh, like John Elway, but three, like the with bus. Three. The
3: down, three, yeah, right. You win one is awesome. Win mm-hmm. two is phenomenal. Win, win three, you go down and let the look at the Patriots. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, Teddy, you can't even say nothing to Teddy to right? <laughs> yeah, you can't. Or William McGinnis. Oh uh, yeah, you can't even say right. anything when you walk into a room. You kind of got to bow down to people who won three Super Bowls. So that's what you're. That's what you're gonna. Find. I want to be the one bowed down to.
0: Well, for the moment, you've got two Super Bowls and a and a a mirror mirror ball. ball. Well,
3: yeah, I do have a mirror ball trophy. Only two NFL players won that, and the only and
0: and also the only person in America who could bring Wade Phillips and Bruno together.
3: That's that's an unusual uh, mix,
0: right? It is. It is a very strange hybrid. Good to see you, Heinz. Anytime, Heinz Ward, my first guest on the first televised edition of the Rich Eyes and podcast. A lot of optimism going on right now, over. The collective bargaining agreement talks or negotiations or court settlement, a lot of people are thinking this thing's going to get done and potentially sooner rather than later. Lots of reports everywhere. But there's one voice out there in the night, out there in the dark, a highly respected NFL voice that's sort of uh, not believing it, that's sort of putting a little bit of a damper on it. And that's why I wanted to have him on this show. Not only because of that, but I also respect his work immensely. He is only a twelve-time Emmy Award winner. I want to welcome to the Rich Eisen Podcast, Chris Collinsworth. How are you, Chris?
2: Rich, you make me sound like Doctor Gloom. Well, man. Am I, I'm am telling on the you, block of the show now is that, uh, no, is that what I?
0: Uh, no, no. Now listen. I mean, I'm out there on Twitter. Uh, by the way, I had no idea you were out there. Um, but then I found out, I'm out there on Twitter, I'm feeling good about myself, I'm trying to cling, and what I do every day, talking football every day, I'm trying to cling to any little piece of hope I can, and then I hear a lot of what you're saying, it bums me out. It bums me out, Chris. So that's why I'm saying that.
2: I hope you're right, and I'm wrong, and I'm hearing the same things that you are, and okay. I'm hearing the same hope, and that there's, I tell you what I think is the most positive sign that I've heard, is that, a the the lawyers left the room, which mm-hmm. is tremendous, but uh that Robert Kraft is involved I really think that of the owners, he's the guy that would be respected most by the hawks, you know, the guys that want to drive a hard bargain and and you know really win a significant battle against the players, but is also respected by the players, and I think because he is such a fan of the game, you know, and he's a, he's a great family guy and all that, but he's a great fan of the game before he ever became an owner. And I think he is the most empathetic towards protecting the fans interest. Um, and, and I, to some extent, I think there's a layer of trust even with the players themselves with Robert Kraft. So the fact that he's in the room, uh, gives me some hope for this thing,
0: but but why do you have uh, less amounts of hope than than most? Which you do, I mean. But you you you've you've brought in your your history as a, a being a player and being involved in labor disputes. I'd love to just give me the 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 mindset, just so I can have the the yin to the yang here about why you think this might go south.
2: Well, every time I've ever been in a negotiation, whether it be involved with the TV contracts or as mm-hmm. a player. Um, the same thing generally happens. Think about a rookie when he's uh, coming to, to camp. What usually happens? Well, what usually happens is that rookie is given a decent offer about a week out before training camp. And if he signs it, that's great. Right. Let's get him in the camp and let's play. But it's usually not the best offer. You know, Usually the best offer comes when the player shows that he has the guts to, to hold firm, be willing to miss some training camp, sometimes a few days, sometimes a week, sometimes a few weeks, um, and forces the hands of the owners, uh, who also are much better at playing that game than are a lot of the players at that point because they're young kids. They want to get their first paycheck. They want to get into camp. And a lot of times they sign a lesser deal. And I just know as a negotiating tactic – um, until there is an absolute deadline, usually you don't see the best offer. And so, and these are savvy parties that are involved in these negotiations. And from the owner's standpoint, they probably will know that they did not squeeze the best deal possible out of the players unless the players feel the pain of missing a few paychecks. From the player's standpoint, uh, the owners certainly are going to want to get their preseason paychecks, So the longer that they can drag it out, and the players don't really care about missing training camp as much as they would missing their regular season paychecks. So there's always a little incentive on both sides to try and make that one better deal, get that last percentage point, get that last little bit, uh, squeeze the other side on those things. And if they do... You know, the hard deadline is really opening day. That's when the players lose a paycheck. Um, That's when, you know, a lot of advertising dollars go south. That's when a lot of the season ticket holders go away. Um, And when you say, when you extrapolate out this contract, uh, this CBA, which let's say that the TV money for a round number over the course of the next 10 years is $20 billion. Well, if you make an additional percentage point or two for $20 billion over 10 years or $200 billion, like they say in Washington, pretty soon you're talking about real money. And so I I just, when you're talking about those sums of money, I'm always concerned about people trying to push it to the nth degree.
0: So uh, brass tax it, brass tack it for me, I guess, if that's the sort of word. You're going to, September 8th, you and Al in the booth in Green Bay, do you think?
2: Whether there's a game going on or
0: not. (laughs) Now, that would be sad. That would be, but that would be welcome. I mean, uh, uh, we'll we'll have, we'll need something to do that night if there is no football, heaven forbid. But do you think, yes, uh, Packers Saints full on ready to play football that night on NBC? Do you think you're there? I
2: I will say I'm more optimistic now than I was at at the time. Uh, A lot of the things that I had to say about that came when there were no negotiations going on. All we were doing was going to court, and then the courts were saying, well, we're gonna put it off, and it's time for you guys to negotiate. And, and I will give the Eighth Circuit a tremendous amount of credit for this. Uh, I, I was a law clerk. I went to law school for five years. I never practiced law, but I was a law clerk for mm. a federal judge at one point. And judges hate to make decisions. They do not want to be the ones that that has to decide between two parties and so what you're seeing is what happens in courtrooms all over the country everywhere you're seeing these judges delay and basically tell the parties listen guys you're not, neither one of you guys are going to like this. This is going to be bad for both of you. And whether it is or not, what the judge is trying to do is force their hands. He's trying to get them to settle their own issues on their own. And, and I really think it's been a brilliant tactic by them. They've been pushing it hard. They've found something to tweak both sides. Uh, and the parties responded. You know, I didn't think that they would this quickly. Uh, and the fact that they are now sitting down without attorneys and with Robert Kraft in the room, uh, I think it certainly looks better today than it did a week or so. Ago. Yeah, I'm
0: surprised by that too. But then again, uh, as as you know, uh, law degree or not, uh, but certainly from your from your point before about negotiating, these are these are businessmen. The smart business decision is to settle this thing. That's the smart thing to do. And the, f- the smart thing to do is to do it now. So something gets done in time for free agency to happen before training camps and training camps and, uh, and the preseason to go off as scheduled. So the regular season, the type of football that you see, you will not be in a booth on Sunday night football without saying, you know what? We're seeing some raggedy football because all this garbage went down in the offseason and prevented everybody from getting ready in a normal way.
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree, and, and don't forget, we've got a period of time that has to be factored in here. When we were on strike in 82 and in 87, we had already gone through all of our, our off-season training, all of our mini-camps, we'd gone through our entire training camp, uh, we'd gone through all our preseasons, and we had played uh, two regular season games. Well, that's not the case now. So whenever it is that they settle, now you've got to go through college and and professional free agency that still has not been settled. We haven't even settled the rosters yet mm-hmm. in the NFL. Now you've missed the entire OTAs, all the offseason training that's going on. So the rookies have absolutely no idea what's going on. New free agents will have no idea what's going on with these new teams. And there's, a good, there's at least, a, depending on how long this drags out, that we're going to have a limited preseason here as well, even if they do get this thing settled. So I would think that, you know, and in a worst-case scenario, drag it out to opening day. Let's say that the negotiations go to opening day and don't get settled. Now there's got to be, I would think, at a minimum three weeks to allow these guys to get themselves in shape and get ready to play so if it goes to opening day, you're probably talking about at least sometime around the beginning of October before they could possibly play football. So that, that difference in the timing is is has to be factored into this as well.
0: If that was Demoris Smith on the other line, please go get it, uh, Chris. Any any extra information I can get from you, I'll, I'll take. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I talked I talk to Demoris. So I've talked to the guys that are involved in right. this thing well before this thing got finished. And, you know, basically my message to him was is there's going to be that deal. You know, there's going to be that pretty good deal on the table sometime before, in the near future, you know, within the next couple of weeks so that we could have a full training camp and a full season and everything could, could work out perfectly. And then it's going to come down to you, whether or not you're going to be willing to take that pretty good deal or if you're going to try and go for the home run. And the same thing applies to the owners. You know, if they're going to really drive this thing and try and gain an additional four or five percentage points uh, from the players, then we may be talking about a lockout that extends into the season. Oh,
0: gosh. What did Demora Smith say when you said that, Tim?
2: I won't tell you everything he said. It uh, was, was a pretty frank conversation. I, I will say that. And, okay. and in fairness to him, I, that wouldn't be fair. Well, well but that was a good
0: question. you got to admit that, right, Chris? That was a good follow-up. Well, well you're the best. So, Thank you. you. Know. Thank you. Uh, in the few minutes I have left with you, I want to talk some football with you. You, you. you obviously also know the Bengals organization, DNA, down to the last molecule. What do you think is going to happen with the Carson Palmer-Cincinnati Bengals scenario once the football league year does start?
2: Um, I, I think Carson's finished here uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, a, I know that the movers were at his house the other day. So <laughs> I think he's pretty serious about being out of here. Um, and But I, I also think there's a point in time, maybe there are positions on the field that your quarterback can make some of the statements that he's made that he's finished in Cincinnati, will never come back to Cincinnati, wants nothing to do with Cincinnati, Uh, and you can recover. Chad Johnson kind of did that, Uh, Chad Ochoacinco a few years ago. Uh, But I think when you're talking about the quarterback, it's a different set of circumstances. And and everything I've been able to hear is that, uh, at the very least, Marvin Lewis is ready to move on. Um, And even if they have to take their lumps this year, I think they're ready for some, some guys that are just hungry again. You know, guys that aren't on television as much, guys that aren't creating controversy. Let's build a young team that's hungry, that's ready to fight. If we take our lumps for a few years around here, so be it. But it's time to get back to a football team that's a little more interested in what happens on the field and not off.
0: But do you think Carson is done, period? Or do you think he's going to try and force uh, Mike Brown's hand? H- how do you see that playing out? Uh, I think I think Carson leaving, truly, I, I, it, movers or not, I think a lot of people definitely believe that's the case. But moving him somewhere else, do you see that? And if so, where?
2: Well, Mike's a businessman, and I think Mike Brown is the, is the, probably the guy that is holding up the idea that Carson Palmer is going to be traded. A, he doesn't like somebody to dictate terms to him in the way that, that Carson has done it. But now with the drafting of a quarterback, um, I think that Mike will get what he can for Carson Palmer. And I do think there's going to be some interest, um, you know, because... Even the teams now that drafted rookie quarterbacks, it's just hard to imagine that they're going to be able to get Mm -hmm. enough knowledge um, inside them to be able to lead an NFL franchise with this shortened preseason with the no offseason training camp. You know, it's hard enough on a 10-year vet to win games in the NFL, but that's... That's a way to make a young quarterback look really bad to force him in under these circumstances.
0: Where do you think Kevin Cobb winds up? What do you think is a good fit for him?
2: Oh, boy, I think Kevin Cobb's a good player. So there probably is going to be quite a a number of teams that go after him. You know, I'm going to guess Arizona, but I don't know. You know, you hear so many different things. Certainly Minnesota has got to be open to – to try and bring in a veteran, but I, I you know, I, I just I I don't know San Francisco. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of different places that still need a quarterback.
0: At, what do you think of the defenseless receiver rule change, Chris? Do you think this is a good idea? The concept that uh, it seems to me there's a new gray area that's been added that both hands and both feet being on the ground. Now somebody's got to do that and also show to the referee that he's able to absorb a hit or get brace himself ready for contact. That is going to be the concept of whether a receiver is defenseless or not. I'd love to know your thoughts on that. We spoke about it with Heinz Ward earlier on the podcast.
2: (laughs) Uh, You know what, Rich? I'm like you. I kind of... I kind of wait until they play a few games Mm -hmm. and then then determine what the rule is. I I, I don't know that, you know, the the four officials, and and I try to give them the benefit of the doubt during some broadcasts, but every once in a while I have the league. You know, I'll call up there to the the officials and say, listen, this is what I think this rule is. Is And they'll go, yes, that's what it is. Okay, and I said this, this, and this. Yes, that's what the rule is. And then the very next game, something comes out and it doesn't get called. Um, so, Rich, there's a lot of gray area. And I think this rule is going to be loaded with gray area, um, like they, like many of them are. And unfortunately or fortunately, instant replay is a wonderful thing. It, it's, a, it's a great tool. But I also think it can, you know, it creates issues for the for the referees, you know, because now, man, we're slowing this thing down to microscopic level, and we're, we're, you know, the catch no catch thing, where, you know, they can have a perfectly clean catch falling out of bounds, and and when the ball when they hit the ground, the ball bobbles a quarter of an inch, and we're calling it incomplete, and seeing it on instant replay, and. I, I I wouldn't want to be an NFL referee. Well, I, I really wouldn't. I, I, just, I think that sometimes, and, and I'm guilty of it too, we put them in horrible positions.
0: Well, I think we should. I know you say it's slowing the game up. I, I wouldn't mind seeing replay uh, for 15-yard helmet-to-helmet hits. Sometimes a helmet hits a shoulder pad. Sometimes a helmet does not come close to a helmet. It's called. And I think you should go under the hood to see that. I, I guess you'd disagree with that, saying that replay is taking the game a little bit too long.
2: Well, no, I'll take it one step further than that. I I think that when you're getting close to that area, because I am not a fan of the find them and suspend them for subsequent quick games. Mm -hmm. I think that is the biggest flaw in the system, that when you have why should we uh, give an advantage to the next team that team is playing instead of the team that the penalty was against. So, if, if Pittsburgh's playing Baltimore and Pittsburgh hits, I should pick another team. Because they're- <laughs>
0: yeah, right.
2: If Cincinnati's playing Baltimore and Cincinnati hits the receiver and it's a helmet to helmet and knocks the guy out and he's out for the rest of the game and he gets suspended for the next game against Pittsburgh, well, to me, that doesn't seem fair. If you're going to slow it down and go under the hood and look at it, I think we should be talking about ejections much more than suspensions mm. for games that follow and or fines.
0: Lastly, how are you enjoying being the wide receivers coach at Highland High School? How are you enjoying that?
2: I've never had so much fun in my life. I was absolutely petrified that I was going to have no football in my life this fall. I, I totally convinced myself when this thing was bouncing back and forth between the courts, that I was never going to, to get to watch any football this year. So the high school coach called me when his receiver coach quit and said, do you want to coach receivers up here? I said, absolutely. Absolutely. And I've been out there drawing plays in the dirt and having the best time I've ever had in my whole life. Well,
0: unfortunately, I think the kids are going to lose their wide receiver coach in time for September 8th, Thursday night. I-
2: You
0: know what? I think even they would applaud that on several. I bet. See, again, I don't I don't know. I mean, we've worked together. I don't know if this is a window into your psyche the way that you're were you just stealing yourself for no season or just getting yourself. I mean, is this a mental thing with you or do you just know things that a lot of people just don't? And you're that's why you were you were throwing all this stuff out that people might perceive to be a little bit of a downer, Chris
2: think that people were being a little unrealistic about the timetable that we were on. Mm-hmm. I kept hearing that there was going to be, um, you know, okay, well, we have until, you know, July. Maybe they'll get a decision by the end of July. You know, and, and these things, no matter how great negotiations you may think they're going, getting a signed deal is a very difficult thing. And I do I did I want to raise some attention? Did I want to get some people going, oh man, I haven't thought about that I haven't is there a possibility oh they if they go into the middle of August, then that means we're gonna miss opening day and that means we're gonna miss the 9 nine eleven tributes yeah i believe me, I'm just trying to stir the pot a little bit because this was getting a little late in the game and a little casual, and I'm still anxious to see and I hope that I do see whose keys crossed and eyes dotted because it is not an easy process when you're talking about eventually hundreds of billions of dollars.
0: Chris, thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right, Rich. You got it, buddy. You bet. That's the one and only, the 12-time Emmy Award winner. Chris Collinsworth, everybody. The one and only Chris Collinsworth. Sort of the chicken little of this process. The sky's been falling this entire time. I'm going to stay optimistic. I'm going to stay optimistic even though... Uh, I'm going to bring in my, my guys on the other side of the glass here. Uh, Spoon, what, what you there? A, yeah, what a bummer
4: Chris Collinsworth is, huh? Kind of. For someone who I really respect, he's scaring me. He's scaring me. He's a little
0: – but he, he, because you know he, you respect him. You know that, he knows. That's exactly why. You know why. he knows something. That's
4: exactly why I'm scared, because I do respect him.
0: Chris Law, podcast producer, NFL.com. Your hello, hello, world. Uh Chris Collins, a great oh, world. great guest. Um us no, say what a great great guest he was. Do you are, are you does he scare you a little bit? He, his, he's a vo- good very his chicken. Voice his, his voice is very intimidating. <laughs> little <voice>. Jim Leland esque. <laughs> uh, a Jim Leland esque. And uh, sound man Extraordinaire, Mike Del Tufo. You know Chris from your Fox day. Yeah, don't you? I mixed Chris with his- Well, I mean it's just I mean, you you read all these reports, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I've read all these reports this week. Mike Freeman from CBS Sports dot com, our old our old friend Sheffy, mm-hmm. there at ESPN. Yep. Um, Liz Mullen from the Sports Business Journal. Everybody's covering this thing, and I think, and there was also a report on Yahoo as well. It wasn't Mike Silver. I forget who it was, but it was somebody on Yahoo. If I can mash these all together, um. Here's the current state of the collective bargaining agreement. It's 80 to 85 percent done and could be done within a matter of days. Yet anybody who thinks it could be done between the first two to four weeks of this point is, quote unquote, borderline insane. It's very fragile. The talks nearly broke off on Wednesday, on Tuesday, Tuesday, but got back on track on Wednesday. The lawyers were great. When they came on Tuesday, by the end of Tuesday, the lawyers being back in the room were the devil beasts and needed to be kicked out of the room. And uh, and also anybody who thinks that uh, an agreement's coming soon is 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 wrong. I mean, wh- so we should am, am I wrong? It that, was that the proper mashup of all four of those reports.
4: That's exactly what I took this morning when I was reading all four. Well, to be honest, that's it was. Hey, this is done. But don't get too excited because it could have ended yesterday at any moment. But.
0: So who are they, who's, who's talking? I think it's just an
4: overreactionary media.
0: Well, yeah. that's, why, that's why what Collinsworth is saying is maybe right. I mean— That this is—you know, don't get too optimistic yet.
4: I think it's a larger uh, point of uh, trying to get, be the first to get to the story, right? Where as soon as someone hears one thing, it's let's tweet it out to the world, and then that's what we go with for another 25 minutes until someone else hears something. Well,
0: here's, here's my message to anybody who's providing this background information to anybody— Anybody who's in part of these talks, here's my, here's, here's if I may be so bold, because I know some of these people may be, you know, up the flow chart sure. here at the National Football League. Here's what I'm going to tell you people. Well, I shouldn't say, you know, that yeah, that, that sounds do, derogatory, yeah, it doesn't it? Does. i well, talking take, about my bosses, take, maybe. Take that back. Okay, I take that back. Here's what I say to all you good, uh, well-intentioned people who are negotiating and letting the media know what's going on behind the scenes. Here's what I have to say. Shh. Don't. Say another word. Shh. I like it, Rich. Thanks, Chris. I thought, like,
4: thought you were like talking it.
0: to me. No, what do you think? Don't <laughs> say anything. Okay. I don't want to know. Let me know when, it's done. when the baby is born. Exactly. Let me know when the baby's here.
4: Couldn't agree with you more.
0: Because if I find out you're 80-85% done, but anybody who thinks this is done in the next two to four weeks is borderline insane, I'm going to go insane. I'm on the edge here. Uh, you sounded. rich. <laughs> we all just want we just want football, and we want it to happen. And I'm on the edge. Howard Beal. Yeah, I'm like Howard Beal. <laughs> That's right. Is it Dan Fleschner Let's say that? On. I heard that off mic in the back. That's what we need to get Dan on mic.
4: Dan, come down here. None of
0: your other jamokes are going to make a... A, a network reference like Dan Fleschner, Welcome. right? I'm like Howard Beale, right? Howard Beale, you're mad as hell. Get up, out of your chairs. Go to the window.
4: Scream at the top of your lungs.
0: I'm, i I've well, already done that, Rich, on my balcony. How did it work? How'd yeah, that, oh, that work for yeah, you, Mike? I'm pretty sure I think they heard it. That's your usual day. Who? Stay. Who heard it? DeMora Smith, just like, I'm he's serious. sitting there in Eastern Maryland in the middle of a very quiet conversation about the 18-game schedule, and all of a sudden, he jumps, because somewhere on his balcony, we're in Santa Monica, California? Yes, yeah, right? Monica. <laughs> Mike Del Tufo, what did you scream?
4: He was screaming at the women of Santa Monica. <laughs> he was screaming about DeMora Smith.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Just shh! Don't go on Twitter. Don't, don't call Schefter. Don't go on Twitter. Don't, don't, don't do anything.
4: No one can resist the urge. Shh!
0: Don't, everybody just shh. shh. Let's move on. Is there a postscript to your to your kindergarten teacher that Kara Henderson's hooking you up uh, with? There's
4: there is a new update. Uh, we have an update. We have an update, everybody. Is there music for an update? I don't know. Do we
0: need breaking news? Uh,
4: the update is. A text from at Kara Henderson just received, got teacher's digits. Oh. She's all for it. Oh, four exclamation points.
0: Four exclamation get, Chris Law, get her on the wow, phone. Four. Get her on the phone again. Lake I hate Venice to repeat this. It's like, this is sort of like the hangover, too. Like we're repeating last week's quality we, we segment. Am I the like monkey word then? Word. <laughs> yeah. Let's get her on the phone. Because do I think don't today, today's the graduation day. Today is a graduation, right? Day. Today's the kindergarten graduation you would
4: assume day. Assume that graduation has ended by now. If she got
0: the number. well, let's over. get her on the phone right now. Graduation from kindergarten? Yes, Dan Fleschner. You don't have children, right? You don't they have kids. They, no. They even wear caps. Yes. This graduation from kid, of course. But I was a
4: child once, and, and you did not graduate no kindergarten. Graduation.
0: Well, I skipped kindergarten. Wow. I skipped the kindergarten. Rich? I like this. The podcast is getting a little loose here today. <laughs> I'm liking it. I had. I had to All right. Let's hit Rich. the proper buttons and get her on the phone. Did is she on the horn? Move up to first grade? We're working on it, Rich. Right. Oh. As we speak. All right.
4: Some technical issues there, I guess.
0: Chris Law's dialing. Don't, don't you have any music for this? Hang on. We, I feel we, like we, Letterman. Do we have any dialing music? How? <laughs> <laughs> what do we got? There we go. Okay, so Karen uh, Anderson's coming on the horn right now, and we're going to get the latest information on Spoon. Finally, I mean, you, you realize where we're going with this, Spoon? Is that we're going to end up needing details? Uh, I'm all sort of. This is like a reality show now.
4: Look, I just hope
0: that uh, is Kara on up the, to the phone. Hype? I hope she lives up I'm to I'm on hype. the
5: phone. Can you hear kindergarten voices in the background?
0: Are you are you are you still at the school?
5: I'm at I'm at the uh, kindergarten um, picnic, the post graduation <laughs> oh. picnic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so now Sp- here's here's how Th- spoons reading into this situation here. Okay, Karim, you you when you texted, you know, got the digits. She's into it. You included four exclamation points. Now, do we read into that your excitement that this has finally been? Um, I don't want to say the word consummated, but I want to make you just that this is. Oh. Oh. That this- I, you know, I
5: think- we can. I think we we can. You or, know, since I've just been at the kindergarten thing, I think two plus two equals four. Two for her, two for me. Okay, so th- I am excited. She's excited. She wants to meet new people. She likes people who are into sports.
0: Oh, there we
5: go. I. You know. Did you so mention the, this is, this, this, Did you did mention the,
0: Did you mention the jersey issue? The, <laughs> the football I jersey issue that
5: might be better in person.
0: I
4: appreciate I that, I Did Carrie. ask her
5: what jersey size she wears. Just case, just and so see, you know, Kara,
0: that yeah. your, your theory, your theory on that grown men over the age of fifteen should not wear jerseys out football jerseys outside of uh, his home, uh, we bounced that off of Heinz Ward earlier on this podcast, actually. And what did he, what did he think about that? Uh, I think he was. I think he wasn't too happy about He's not that. Not happy about that. He had spoons back. <laughs> yeah, Steeler Nation uh, comes right back at you.
4: Kara, can you confirm one thing for me?
5: Sure.
4: Uh, do her and I share the same hold jersey hold size? On one
5: Truck has showed up, and you know what
4: that means—bedlam!
5: Did you hear the ice cream bedlam? It is, we did. It is occurring. Uh,
4: so, I, I just wanted to verify, Kara, that if you found out her jersey size, that her and I do not wear the same jersey size.
0: I, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm quite
5: certain. That she would take your jersey, and we're not getting ice cream right now. Hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> Don't
0: you love this? It's great. I mean, so this is about to well,
5: this is about to hit like DefCon One here. <laughs> Can you hear
0: that? That's uh, what I'm feeling sadly is. that's the kindergarten oh, teacher. That's very sad. <laughs> that's the kindergarten teacher. But by the like way, Spoon, that was a very while while, while while Kara works on the uh, the bomb pop snafu that's just uh, unfolding right now. Uh, by the way, that was my favorite good humor treat back in the day. Um
5: you want me to tell you? You tell you? I mean what else? Let's see here. Let's no, keep, let's I thought that was a woman. very
0: smart way of a, of a, how tall are you, Spoon? Six foot three? Um, six foot three. They're a very smart way for a six foot three man to get around the very, uh, I guess, the basic question of, of how, head. how, how, what does she look like? I think that was well, a I very... She
5: ran track. I didn't say she threw the shot put in, on her collar. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> there's anything wrong with that yeah. She, she literally
5: not the there's anything wrong with that, but I understand what you're going for, Spoon. I mean, you're a tall and thin guy, and you're looking for someone that kind of, you know, it's a, it's a nice-looking couple that's, she's very attractive she's I, very
0: attractive I, I you want to staff, you're
5: gonna to have to wait one second you can get a snow cone you can get whatever you want cara please
0: don't talk to me that way on my podcast that's that's very awkward <laughs> when you talk to me that way in front of all these people that we work with and download you're the this one show. who
5: brought up the bomb pop
4: that's I mean, true really
0: i know
5: really I, I, I had one one question for cara
0: that's dan fleshner off mic by the way cara
5: Hi, Kara. Everybody. So, okay, but here's here's the question. Dan's going to ask, and I, can I can I can I r- front run <laughs> this? Dan's going to ask where his kindergarten teacher is.
4: Is that true? And
5: and I said, right, Dan.
4: I wasn't going to ask that, but I'm happy to find <laughs> out the answer. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about that later. Oh, um, my question was going to be: When you signed on to be a, a reporter at NFL Network, if you ever dreamed. That you would be reporting from your son's kindergarten yes. graduation?
5: First of all, I didn't think that they would have a kindergarten graduation, I'm but apparently we celebrate every small thing in, in children's lives these days, which is another topic for another time. Um, but no, I did not. I did not think that I would be doing live reports mm. from the playground parking lot. This next is a milestone.
0: A, it is a milestone. A it is a milestone. It's a
5: milestone, or, or something. So, Kara, a watermark. <laughs> here's here's here's
0: what we're setting ourselves up for. We're setting ourselves okay. up for a love connection, or yes, we are. a very awkward accounting <laughs> of this f- flaming out uh, romance. I don't know what to on, root for on on oh. the podcast because we are going to you know, require details. If it works out, clearly no details are necessary. But if it doesn't work out, we need every last morsel. Well,
5: she was. She also. I said I had somebody in mind, and she goes, "Well, gosh, you must know a bunch of different guys."
4: Oh.
0: I said,
5: "Yeah, I do." So you know, we could just you know, if, if so food Dan, doesn't work Dan out, I'm step sure step there's in. some other. <laughs> there's some other. Oh, now I'm in trouble. You know why? No. The ice cream track just pulled away.
0: Oh no! And you've been podcasting hey, instead of getting. Uh oh. Uh oh. Oh dear.
5: Oh, They're I think serious. you better
0: go track down I, that I truck. Now, that is that is that is as
5: much of a rap as I've ever heard in my ear.
0: Oh, right oh boy. All right, Kara, go Cara. please go. I'm working on it. I'm
5: It's it happening soon. Spoon, you're going on vacation for the next
4: month. No, so no, like, no. I, know, I'll, I'll, I'll will parties, be back. In, right? I'll be back in town on Sunday. So
5: okay, let's Good. talk. All right, text me then. We'll get this worked out.
0: Kara Henderson, go everybody. With the bomb pop situation. There you here? go. Yeah. Go for just it. it it's, a, my face. it's a meltdown. <laughs> it's a kinder- Bye. Uh, Thank you. And congrats on, uh, on the congrats. Congrats on the uh, graduation. All right, there you have it, Spoon. So uh, clearly. This podcast and and your desire to be hooked up has its first casualty, and that's Kara's son's uh, ice cream. It's not the way I wanted this truck scenario. That was that's a very sad ending. Clearly, we hope uh, this this moves forward in a much positive, better way. Does that make any sense? This isn't going to make television, is it? There's no chance this makes television.
4: This does not make television.
0: (laughs) I don't think, <laughs> think that the, uh, say, this the higher is, ups yeah, still don't want this, this. This is, is really, the loosest podcast segment we've had show, yet. It's a different this show. Is, uh, yeah.
4: yeah. This might not even make NFL.com.
0: <laughs> no, don't say that now. Come on. We need content, brother. It's a lockout. I'll be the Chuck Willery here for the podcast and uh, NFL.com. All right. Let's, uh, let's uh, move on then. Let's move on. I'm pleased to have now on the Rich Eisen podcast uh, one of the stars, if not the star of one of the hottest movies in America right now, Super 8. You also know him from Friday Night Lights in his stupendous portrayal of Coach Eric Taylor. I'm I'm thrilled to have on the show right now Kyle Chandler. How are you, Kyle?
1: Wow, what a great introduction. Thank you very much. Oh, it's true. great to be here. Thanks for having me on. No, it's
0: my pleasure. It's a true story. I, I, we'll talk about Super 8 in a moment. I mean, your portrayal of Coach Eric Taylor on Friday Night Lights is one of the best performances I've seen anywhere by anybody. It And it just was so pitch perfect in the fact that, you know, coaches are not infallible people who know what to do in every situation, and they feel their way through situations, and try and try and do the best by themselves and their players, and, and I think you nailed that perfectly, Kyle.
1: I, I, well, first of all, I mean, that was a that was such an enjoyable show to work on, because um, as you know in what you do, when you've got the best product, it usually is because everyone from the top to the bottom is being as collaborative and uh, creative as they can be, and Everyone's pretty much uh asked to do what they do best, and uh take on that responsibility and that allows them to have that uh ownership and uh That's what that show was all about uh but with that said um you know it, 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 it that show was all about people and relationships and uh being the coach was uh that was fantastic uh to uh mess around with i, I met one young coach out there, and he gave me the key to that whole character when uh when he told me uh, at the last minute, he said, oh, yeah, there's one more thing you need to know. To, to be a great coach, you have to love the kids. Mm-hmm. So that gave me the uh, the openness to do anything with those kids on the show, which got me in some trouble and got some other actors in trouble every once in a while. Is but, that
0: right? How, how so?
1: Well, there's this, there's, early on in the season, in the, in the show, there was one scene where a young man, uh, uh, I forgot exactly what he did. He ended up pulling a knife on someone. There was a fight or something, and he ended up in jail. and. I asked him to tell me the truth, look me in the eye, tell me the truth, and he looked me in the eye and he said what he said, and then he got on TV with his mother and the local TV, and he lied twice, once to me on TV. And in the scene, when he's in my office, in the scene, we're shooting it, and he comes in, and I'm supposed to say, well, listen, you know, you've had some hard times, you go talk to my wife and see if you can work this out, and maybe you can get back on the team. My wife being the guidance counselor at that time. Mm -hmm. Well, I I wouldn't do it. (laughs) I refused to, and the director at the time was like, "Well, it, you have to do it. It's written that way." And I said, "Look, I can't sell Mike. I can't, can't sell Coach Short. There's no way in hell that this kid's ever going to play football with him again." He lied straight in his eye. Mm-hmm. So um, I didn't realize at the time, but basically, I got the actor fired from the show at the same moment. <laughs> no. So, uh, but it was right. You know, it was right. So
0: yeah, I mean, because that that is the way things go. I mean, you you nailed it perfectly. That 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 there's a trust relationship between a coach and a player and that if it's violated in a certain way or if at all you you can't coexist anymore and again I I I love that you got that advice from from a head coach or a coach saying you got to love the kids what what other aspects of the coaching profession did you immerse yourself in to prepare yourself for that role to grow in that role on Friday Night Lights
1: well, again you know the show's not about football it's about relationships mm-hmm. and uh and uh as, as pete berg i think said uh, i've copied this line many times but you know high school sports is a fertile ground for storytelling um or the high school atmosphere uh young people young young uh boys turning into men before your eyes during those those years of you know 14 to 17 or what have you and, and uh and it's true and and uh, I remember that time, and you, you're you're trying to find yourself, and you're you're trying to find people to look up to, uh, whether it's your father or you're someone in your family or someone outside. And, and sports and football in particular, uh, a coach uh, a coach is a, a a father figure in that way. Uh, uh, he's a he's a a leader and someone that uh, hopefully you can look up to, and and later on in life you appreciate those moments where they stood firm. You learn. Um, but uh that whole experience was was just great, you know, on top of that, uh when I was on the field coaching on the show mm-hmm. um during all those scenes, almost all the other coaches you see in front of me are either referees for college football, they were high school coaches and so right and I'd go to speak at all of them, and I'd say, "Look, here's the scene. what do you think, this and that and i you know I got all the assistance I could right there, and then you got people like Mac Brown who's just so beneficial helping us out. We run a charity, uh, beyondthelights.org, down in uh, Austin, our fourth year now. And I can't tell you how many Dallas Cowboys have helped us out, Mac Brown and the University of Texas coming over. And, and you know, you, you speak to those guys, you get a feeling for who they are, and, and they're more than willing to open up. Just, just fantastic people. So that's how all that works.
0: Yeah, Mac Brown uh, joined NFL Network's coverage of our draft a couple of years ago. I'd never met the guy. And by the end of the day, when I was working for him, I had uh, at the time just a one and a half year old son, and I told Mac that my kid could play for him if he's still <laughs> around eighteen years from now. You know, like because right. that that guy, and he was he was in the premiere, right? He was in the pilot episode, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. He played yeah. he 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 played a role in the yes. in the pilot episode. I remember that. Yeah. 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 No, he's a
1: he's a he's a true gentleman, and he's um. I can certainly see uh, why he's so successful. But, uh, uh, yeah, just a, a really straight stand-up guy, for and sure.
0: And lastly, I sort of have to unburden myself here about this show, how much I, I, I loved it and loved it. Um, you know, uh, Under Armour is clearly uh, a partner of the NFL, and they they were the ones who were outfitting the Dylan Panthers, and I got a whole bunch of Dylan Panthers gear just so I could wear it around town. But when your character, uh, Kyle, when your character got – Fired essentially, and had to move across town. I called up the Under Armour people, said I can no longer wear my Dillon Panthers gear. I need my East Dillon Panthers gear.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, and not not to plug them too much, but Under Armour, those guys were fantastic, helping us, working us all the way. And it is great gear. I got (laughs) to admit. When they changed over from the Panthers to the Lions, I can't Mm -hmm. say that I was too upset because I never. That blue, that mm. blue color, yeah. I mean, sort of got me. But I loved that red and black. <laughs> uh, the red and black. I looked good in the black.
0: <laughs> yeah, you did. You did. And I just, loved, again, I just my allegiance changed. I could not, you know, I was so rooting for the coach or so rooting for character. And, again, it, 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 last word on it, as you mentioned, the, the, the relationships. That's what the show is about. My favorite scenes, a lot of people would think because of what I do for a living, the favorite scenes would be football scenes or in the locker room. It, it was really the, my favorite scenes were between you and your wife. Those were the the best scenes, especially since many times your character needed to be set straight a little bit by your wife because you got immersed in the winning aspect of coaching. And she sometimes was a guiding light to to get you back on the straight. Now, I loved those scenes. Those were phenomenal scenes.
1: Yeah, that was, you know, early on, too, after meeting Mac Brown and his wife, it was very clear that his wife was uh, very protective of him. And you know, obviously, Connie and I were trying to steal as much as we could from any relationship between a coach and his wife. Mm-hmm. And you know, you uh, a coach marries into that, and the the wife knows what she's getting into. Um, so, uh, and and also, Connie and I, just working together, we realized uh, when we first met each other, um, we're both fools. We both like to play the fool. Um, we love the comedy and the humor of it. And uh, but we both also learned to trust. We trust one another enough. To, uh, you can let them drop, but you never let them hit the floor. So we had just a great time in that whole relationship. And uh, you know, we we always played against uh, the writing. If that had us fighting, we were trying to figure out the way to work together. And if it had us working together, we'd try to find out a way to start a fight. So we always just had... It was always fun coming to the set. Fantastic. We always enjoyed
0: it so much. Fantastic. And again, you were so great at it. And um, now I'm excited about Super 8. Is it an understatement to call this film secretive, Kyle? Uh,
1: I guess so. You know, I started this thing off. I had a couple auditions with J.J. Um, uh, J. Abrams. And then uh, then I got the part. And he said, you know, you the part's available to you. And I said, well... I, i'd love to just you know read over the script and make a decision you know obviously it's jj abrams steven spielberg so you you feel like you're going to be happy with the script anyway but nonetheless the answer was you can't see the script until you accept the part Hmm. so you know five minutes later it's like okay i'm i'm in i'm in so uh (laughs) that's sort of how it started And then he just sort of asked crew and, and cast i guess everyone to look here's what we want to do we want to keep it as quiet as we can so when it comes out uh you know, people be surprised and there'll be questions in their mind when they go to the theater. So it wasn't hard to keep a secret and and what have you and uh, of course the trailers uh, the trailers reveal quite a bit now uh, of what it's about but I think once people get in the theaters they'll be taken back to that uh, that that era of the ET and the and the close and kind of, you know, yeah. that moment of when you're emotionally moved by something and you're not sure, but then you realize it's just because it's good character development. But the whole story is surrounded with the imagination of J.J. Abrams and Steven Spielberg. So it's just going to, I think it's going to be a very successful movie, and, and I know people are going to enjoy it.
0: Yeah, it looks to me like a mix, as you, you said, E.T. I mean, your, your character, you play uh, Deputy Jackson Lamb. Deputy Lamb Jack, looks like... Jack
1: Lamb, what a great name. I it's one of my better character names ever.
0: Jack Lamb sounds like a linebacker is going to hit you actually yeah, it sounds exactly. like it
1: sounds like to get someone else. That's
0: exactly right. It, but it does look like you look like a character straight out of E.T. or Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I mean, that's what yeah. it, it looks just like that.
1: Well, you know, it's set in 1979, so right. it sort of takes you back. I was 14 in 1979, and mm-hmm. the kid who's playing my son is 14 in the movie. <laughs> so when I went on the set and I went into his room, the first thing I thought was, I want to steal something out of here because <laughs> everything I had as a kid was laying on the floor in a mess just like my room.
0: So it like a the toy, like a rock'em sock 'em robot or something like that? Where's, oh no, the
1: Atari game is where Atari. my eye went really first. Nice. But his desk's covered with uh, you know, tester's paints and there's a little model up there and there's a, a beautiful model of a Messer Smith hanging in the one nice. corner of his room and everything I had as a kid.
0: Is it true that there was a trailer, a script trailer that you could only read the script in a certain room to just again maintain the sec the secret uh, aspects yeah, that, of things? That's
1: what they did with me. You go into the trailer they close the door and uh you read, and then you leave the trailer, leaving the script behind, and uh, oh, even the sides on the set during the days, you'd have sides with your name stamped across them, and uh, you were to turn those in at the end of the day, and, uh, uh, you know, I don't know how secretive, how how much secrecy that kept and everything, but mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, it's, it's, it's fun, nevertheless, to play the game, and, and uh, uh, you know, I think people really, I think people are excited not to know too much about it, and uh, I'm excited because I know they're going to like it. I'm going to see the premiere today, and I've you know, I've got my daughter sitting next to me. One daughter sitting next to me, and I just know she's going to love it when we're in there. So, um, yeah, I'm very
0: excited. It's well, fantastic. Yeah. It looks like a little bit of Cloverfield as well, like a Cloverfield meets ET. It's basically yeah. What it looks there's like right a little now.
1: bit. There's a little bit of everything. You know, it's it's JJ Abrams' idea. Mm-hmm. He went to Mr. Spielberg and said, "Would you be interested?" And uh, the two of them together, uh, you know. It, the, the film you'll see it and and it's really enjoyable and yeah you know, it's about a bunch of kids making a monster movie during their summer and and what what happens
0: and what happens after that what was it like working uh with jj J. abrams and i guess for steven spielberg that must have had to be a, a a thrill for you i imagine
1: yeah well when they weren't when they weren't swinging each other on the set and throwing <laughs> things at each other and yelling um it yeah, was, very, uh-huh. uh,
0: it was <laughs> awkward in that respect huh
1: yeah no it was it was uh, it was an incredible experience, and you know just one more story behind the story The mm-hmm. young man who plays my son has never acted before. So uh, you know, I have a lot of scenes with him, so I was curious how that was going to happen. And and again, you know, J. J. Abrams on the set is uh, it was very similar to the Friday Night Lights set for me. It was very creative, very collaborative, very calm, very cool. The kids had a great time, but he didn't treat them as kids. He treated them as young actors. And when you see the performance of this young man who plays my son, you'll realize real early that not only did he treat him as a as a young actor, but he gave him the responsibility. Uh, of what that entails and the tools that uh, that J.J. gave him to, to work with. Uh, it just represents the casting of the talent the young man has and how J.J. worked with him, giving him the right tools to work it, and you'll see just a wonderful
0: performance. I can't wait. It, 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 it sounds like you went into this with a, a clear eyes and a full heart. Kyle. <laughs> exactly. And you and you, you clear- know
1: what? I'm, on the plane going to Weirton, West Virginia, mm-hmm. when you don't know what you're getting into, mm-hmm. you sort of got to have that. But yeah, you, right. the whole thing has been just a great experience.
0: And clearly you can't lose. I had to finish this <laughs> phrase, you know what I mean? Kyle, I, I really appreciate it. Again, um, good luck with the film. I don't think you need it. But I also, uh, again, bravo on the Friday Night Lights. Just absolutely oh. fantastic work. It really, it really, like I said, I, 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 I changed gear. Because you got fired uh by the Dylan Panthers I had to I, and and one last story just to tell you, I was in Dallas we were, NFL network covered the last game in Cowboys Stadium in the history of Cowboys stadium and it was like a a, a living a breathing museum. It was like night at the museum. all the great cowboys from the past were strolling around the field Roger Staubach and it, wow. it, it was basically like a Hall of Fame strolling around, but I noticed one guy underneath the goalposts, and i it 's for only for him did I get up. And go over off the set to meet. It was the guy who played Buddy Garrity from oh, Friday Night Lights, Brad, Leland. Brad oh, Leland. Yeah. I had to, he. Out of all of these people, I had to shake his hand because yeah, you know what I mean.
1: He's a great guy. He's a fantastic guy. <laughs> he knows he knows his football inside
0: and out. Oh, is sure. that right? Is that right? Yeah.
1: Hey, um, listen, not for nothing, I'm not trying to plug my charity or anything. Please, go, no.
0: What, what do you want? Go for it. Yeah, please. Go t- on
1: beyondthelights.org, and it's our fourth year we did this year. We were, we keep getting more and more successful. We split the money up between the Gridiron Heroes and the uh, Mark Bonacani Fund. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of support from Dallas Cowboys and everyone in town. But go to it and see if you can join us next year. It would be great.
0: Give me that uh, website one more time.
1: It's beyondthelights.org.
0: Well done, Kyle Chandler. Thanks so much for joining the podcast.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me
0: on. You bet. That is Kyle Chandler of Super 8. Go see it in a theater near you right now, joining the Rich Eisen podcast. That's it for this edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast. We could not be more thrilled to have had Heinz Ward in person, Chris Collinsworth on the phone, and also Kyle Chandler. Please go see Super 8 in a theater near you. Also, Friday Night Lights uh, is, I guess, playing out on NBC right now. All of those of you who have uh, watched it and enjoyed it like I have on DirecTV uh, Channel 101, Uh, you know how everything works out. And and I, I made sure that we didn't talk at all about the plot. For all of you folks who have been following that show on NBC, its original home, I couldn't be more happy to have Kyle Chandler. Next week, Maurice Jones, Drew of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Warren Sapp and Michael Strahan, back in the day on NFL Total Access, had an incredible segment when Michael was, of course, still playing for the Giants. And Warren was still with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We would get them together every week and essentially comedy would ensue because the two of them really went at it. We're going to relive those moments, getting them back together in studio on next week's podcast. That also includes a chat with Jason Sudeikis of Saturday Night Live. Also, his movie Horrible Bosses coming to a theater near you on July 8th. So that's it for this edition of the Rich Eisen podcast. Again, uh, I hope you enjoyed it on TV if you saw it. If you didn't, uh, we'll make sure that you know we put it online or I think it's going to repeat. Check your local listings as they say. And of course, always enjoy this podcast in its entirety on iTunes and NFL.com. This is Rich Eisen, signing off.
2: It's Rich Eisen with authority. Yes.
0: Stay listening.